This is the ESV translation. It says, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your guidance tonight. Even though this is a personal testimony of what you have done in my life, help me get out of the way and let you speak. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On this topic of the vine, I know there's been a lot of Bible teachers, past and present, that have taught on this. I have listened to and, and read some of them over the past several months. I also know that there is nothing I can say that will be new that hasn't been said before. <coughs> my purpose for this message is to share some of my experience with the COVID-19 virus. You say, well, why would you want to do that? The reason I want to share is for this, this because several people have asked these questions. Uh-oh, what happened there? Oh, there we go. What was it like? Are there any lasting effects? Why did God let you get that sick? How can you keep such a good attitude? Those are good questions. And I think everybody probably has had those asked if you've been through that virus. I thought I could answer these questions in one message so I don't have to repeat myself so often. You know, sometimes the older you get, you know, you hate to repeat yourself. People say, what? What? No. Just listen, if you listen close the first time, I don't have to repeat it. <laughs> but my main goal is I want to share with you how faithful God is in keeping his word, which he has given to us. And we know that he speaks to us through his word, the Bible. I like what Justin Peters says quite a bit. If you don't know who he is, you can look him up. But he says, 
If you want to hear God's voice, read it out loud. If you want to know what God says, read your Bible. If you want to know, if you want to hear what God says, read it out loud. And I think that's pretty good. So before I share my experience, let me explain a little bit of background to this text. In chapter 13, verse 18, Jesus tells the 12 disciples that one of them will betray him. And they all wondered who it was, except for Judas Iscariot. He knew. After Judas Iscariot left the group, Jesus said in chapter 13, 31, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. William MacDonald says, With Judas Iscariot gone, Jesus began to speak with the disciples more freely and intimately. The Lord was anticipating the work of redemption, which he was about to accomplish. And he says, very important, every attribute, attribute, you know what I mean. I use the excuse I've had a severe case of COVID. So whatever happens, you know, I, I'm going to stick to that excuse. <laughs> Every attribute of deity was superlatively magnified at Calvary. Chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus tells them he is going away. And they cannot come with him. Chapter 13, 30, 34, Jesus gives them a new commandment. Guess what that is? Love one another. At this time, it's good to remember, at this time they did not have the Holy Spirit. And this kind of love can only be effective if we, as believers, are walking in the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, this kind of love is impossible. Chapter 13, verse 37, Peter says... Lord, I'm willing to give my life for you. And Jesus said, Oh, Peter. That's my paraphrase. Oh, Peter. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus tells the 11 disciples not to worry. Because he is coming back to take them with him to the place he had prepared for them. Chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Chapter 14, verse 15 says, Jesus, said, Jesus tells the 11 disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, this is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, 26, Jesus tells them the Father will send the Holy Spirit to teach them and to bring to their remembrance the things that Jesus has taught them. Most Bible teachers start John chapter 15 by reminding us that the first two words are the seventh of the I Am statements in the book of John. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. 
In John 10, 1, he says, I am the door. In John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. And in John 15, 1, he says, I am the true vine. In this parable, Jesus talks about a grapevine and the vine dresser and the branches. Now, we use notes from different commentators, and I thought, well, I will uh, use one from a very famous person that most people will know. Uh, and I, I said years ago, this guy is uh, will be world famous one day. And since we live stream here now, he's on YouTube every week uh, when, he, when he's here. So I'm using notes from our pastor, Dwight Oswald. He says this, the analogy of the vine presents that which brings forth life, sustenance, and fruit. Israel, as God's vine, failed to be fruitful. They failed to be the channel of God's blessing to the world that he desired. In contrast, Jesus is the real deal, who delivers. He is a source that provides life and sustenance by which people can be fruitful. He is the source that makes all the difference in the lives of people. He is the source of meaning, purpose, and enduring fruit. There are three things to keep in mind that are drawn out in this analogy. Namely, the vine, the branches, and the fruit. These are all tied together, and yet each one is distinct. Now, when it comes to parables, it's, it's very important to remember. Bible scholars emphasize that when it comes to parables, analogies, and, or metaphors, we should not try to press the details too far. They emphasize that parables consistently have one main point, and that is to, good to keep in mind here with, in, in this parable. He said, it is good, that is a good, it's good to keep in mind here with the main point being that of fruitfulness, end quote. John 15, 2 says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bring forth more fruit. Opinions vary on the meaning of the branches. You you can read several commentators. The opinions vary on what the branches are that do not bear fruit. And the reason is because of the words in me. He says the branches that are in me that do not bear fruit are taken away. I don't have time to go through all the different views of this, but it seems that most commentaries believe it means they were people who made false professions of faith because they are not bearing fruit. Brian Bill writes, God's desire has always been for his people to be fruitful. This goes all the way back to Genesis 128 when he said, Be fruitful. 
and multiply. In fact, a Christian who does not produce fruit is a contradiction in terms. It is unacceptable and unnatural for a follower of Christ to be unfruitful. End quote. And let's be reminded what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. John 15, 2 continues, Jesus says that every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes that it will bear more fruit. This is where I want to insert my personal testimony. After I was released to go back to work, my part-time job, I wrote this note of what I could remember of my experience with the virus. And maybe someone else could benefit knowing the symptoms of a severe case. So I want to read you what I had written down. And the reason I did it is so I don't forget what I went through and what God has taught me. The things I am writing have to do with my personal experience with the COVID-19 virus that seems to have taken over the globe. I would like to start with admitting that I did not take this serious because I thought it was just another government hoax to get control of our nation. And let me add, to some degree, I still believe that. But since I have experienced myself, I definitely take it more seriously, especially when I see people wearing masks and staying home in hopes that they never get it. It has definitely made me concerned for other people so that I will wear a mask even if I don't want to for their peace of mind. So let me share my experience with the virus and when it started. I'll talk fast. I have a part-time job, some of you know, with H&H Automotive. I drive cars and uh, bring them back and they sell them. On June 25th of 2020, I was helping out on the lot, moving cars to another lot. On June 29th, I went to Minnesota to pick up a vehicle and was experiencing severe migraine headache. Now, migraines are not new to me, but for some reason, this one really, really bothered me. It went away and then came back, and then I returned to the lot after 14 hours. My whole body hurt. It was difficult to walk. I had a hard time even getting out of the car. All of us drivers had received an email that night that said we could not return to work till we had tested negative twice for the COVID. Since I am a Vietnam veteran, I scheduled a COVID test at the VA hospital in Omaha. And three hours later, I was told I tested positive. They told me to stay home for two weeks. That's what everybody says, right? <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen. On July 3rd, because of a high fever, my wife took me to the ER. 
and they admitted me to the COVID unit for one week with oxygen support. Then moved me to ICU for another week. I thought I was getting better with the oxygen support and was sent home. During my time at home, I developed a urinary infect infection, and doctors say that's a common thing. So after one week at home, I was rushed back to the ER at the VA and admitted right away in the ICU where I would spend the next three weeks. with oxygen support at very high levels. They tell me that 14 to 15 liters is way too high. I must say the second time around was worse than the first. I do not remember much of the first three days. I remember refusing to be on a ventilator, but that's about it. All communication had to go to my wife so she could relate to our church people and friends. My wife was told that I had a very bad case of the virus. The doctors told me later as I was getting better, they didn't think I was gonna make it. During this time, H&H communicated with my wife and showed great kindness to us. Now, somebody with a part-time job and still get paid, that's pretty good. You know, so I have nothing bad to say about who I work for. But they, uh, they communicated with my wife and showed great kindness to us. And I'm still amazed uh, and thankful that they let me work for them. While I was in the hospital, I was given 10-day treatment of remdesivir, medicine through IV and steroids of some kind, plus the other medicines I take for diabetes and high blood pressure. I could not smell or taste anything for the longest time. I ate a lot of crushed ice because my mouth was so dry. After, the, after three weeks in the ICU, I was tested twice and was negative. Praise the Lord. I was moved from ICU to a regular room and I could have visitors. But now my main problem was breathing. I had to get my oxygen level down so I could go home. Finally, on August 17th, 2020, I was released to go home, but had to use a walker and home oxygen support. Plus, I had to go to pulmonary rehab three days a week to build up my lungs and muscles. As of October 5th, 2020, I was off of oxygen support and back to my part-time job. And I am so thankful they let me come back to work for them after being off all summer. So people ask, are there any lasting effects after having a bad case of the COVID virus? Doctors keep saying this is still, new virus. This is still a new virus. We don't exactly know what to expect but they will keep track of me for the next 15 months. I had a brain scan in December of 2020 to see if there was any permanent damage for, to my brain because of the low oxygen level I experienced. 
And I want to say something. I want to, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for answering the prayers of our local church people. Plus other friends we know locally and around the globe. So very thankful for our pastor who would call every day, even when I could not talk. He would read scripture and pray to encourage me to keep leaning on the Lord for his strength. And the people who would send texts letting me know that they were praying. And the doctors and nurses are still amazed how fast my recovery was. And I wrote, may his name be glorified. So I hope this testimony answers the first and second questions. What was it like? And are there any lasting effects? I was having trouble with memory and concentration. Uh, But it's getting better. Now I want to try to answer questions three and four. Why did God let you get so sick? For many years, I have believed that nothing is done by accident. There is a lesson or lessons to learn in every situation that comes into our lives. For some time, I have been asking God to humble me, humble my heart before him so that my life will reflect that I am a child in God's family. Now, I want to I give a fair warning right here. If you're asking God to humble you, and, you know, and he knows that you are serious, beware. Because you will see him work in ways that you're not going to expect. This passage in John 15, 1 through 8, is about Jesus being the true vine. How the Father prunes the branches that are bearing fruit so that they can bear even more fruit. I believe that my Heavenly Father let me get so sick so He could prune me to be more fruitful. After the first week in ICU the second time, the nurses and the doctors would come in and they would say, you're the preacher they're talking about. I had a hard time talking, but sometimes the Lord will give you strength. I had a clicker here. <laughs> Pruning is not a punishment for a Christian. It is a reward. God is the vine dresser who prunes the life of everyone who abides in Christ and bears the fruit of Christ. Spiritual pruning enhances 
spiritual growth. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Imar Dahan writes this. Jesus said that his father prunes his children. The richest and fullest, the most fruitful lives are those that have been strengthened through the painful process of tribulation. We have no right to believe that God will use us until he has cut away whatever hinders our growth. What we see as tragedies may be only blessings in disguise. And the very opportunities through which God chooses to exhibit his love and grace. And I want to add that if we get mad at God for what comes into our lives, we must ask ourselves... Do I really believe God is sovereign over all things and has my best interest to grow in him? I've not always had a good attitude when things bad come into our life. But for some reason, God has given me strength to have one. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now I want to tell you, I was not jumping for joy when I couldn't breathe. That is not something, I tell people I'd rather be shot in the head than, than go through that again. Suffocation is not my friend. I don't like it. And, uh, but the Lord's in control if he wants me. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't care if I lived or died. I just said, let me die if I'm going to. I kept asking the Lord, what did you want me to learn from this? It wasn't fun. I read an article from a guy by the name of Dave Furman. Now, we, have, we know a Dave Furman personally. He used to play drums for, a, for us once in a while, in a, in a, but this isn't him. But he says this, Your circumstances don't create what's in your heart. Your situation is simply... The stage on which the heart's condition is revealed. Our biggest problem is not outside of us, but inside our own hearts. End quote. What does it mean to be fruitful? In my young Christian mind, I thought that being fruitful was all about winning souls for Christ and discipling them. And he does want us to do those things. But being fruitful is not just sharing the gospel or discipling people. Our lives must be a living testimony 
that Jesus not only saved us from God's wrath, but that God is progressively sanctifying us to become more like Christ. Bearing fruit in Christ, in Galatians, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And of course, we have to put Colossians chapter 3 in there somewhere. He says, put on then, our responsibility, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all this, put on love, which, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So what is pruning well, I'm not a I'm not a vine dresser. I'm not a I don't know much about grapes. I like to eat them. Uh, that's about it. But what I've read and listened to, pruning is to get rid of the little twigs or sucklings that pull the sap from the good branch and go the different direction from where the vine dresser wants it to go. You understand that? So you got a, you've got the vine, you've got the branch, and you've got little things that grow out here that, that shouldn't be there. Years ago, I asked the question, I was asked the question by a spiritual leader. Why is it so important? Why is it so important for me? To have you think I am more spiritual than what I really am. Pretty good question, huh? In a minute, I'm going to give you the answer of why I believe God let me get so sick. But before I do, let me ask you, where are you in your fruit bearing is the Heavenly Father pruning you to be more fruitful for His glory? Only you can answer that. 
before a holy God. I would suggest let's not act more spiritual than what we are. You may know a lot of Bible, but that doesn't make you spiritual. A lot of false teachers know the Bible. And they're leading people astray. Pruning hurts, and the vine dresser needs to cut away anything in our life that is not going to show the product from a good vine. So let me tell you why I believe God almost let me die. I can point out one thing, and it's almost like a PowerPoint in my mind. Just like you see right up in here. Somewhere prior to the coronavirus, my attention was concerned more about politics than my spiritual life. This is my confession time. Somewhere prior to the coronavirus, my attention was concerned more about spiritual life, more about politics than my spiritual life, and I didn't even realize it. Oh, I had my short devotions and prayer time, but I had become a political news junkie almost 24-7. I was becoming angry at politicians, tearing them, tearing down our country. And at the same time, I was asking God to humble me to be a better under-shepherd. And I wasn't paying attention to renewing my mind with Scripture. When the virus came on us, I was not sympathetic or loving to people who were afraid of it. I thought it was silly for people to be scared that scared of a virus that probably wouldn't last long anyway. Remember, it's only going to last two weeks. I really believe I needed to be put down to a place where I could self-examine myself before a holy God that I was asking to humble me. So I come and I say, I ask you to forgive me for not showing the love and compassion that God intends for leaders he has put in care over his flock. For several months now, I turn the radio off. I don't watch that much political news. I still believe we should keep up on things, but not 24-7. I turn the radio off in the car. I listen to the Bible. I put in my Bluetooth ear, earbud and drive down the road and my Bible reads to me. Or I'm listening to sermons. 
since my memory, and I have to tell you, I when I would read after I got out of the hospital, when I would try to read, I would read the Bible, and I couldn't remember what I read five minutes later. So I am really glad that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there's a lot of times when I go to bed or take a nap, I've got my earbud in and the Bible is reading to me. And saying, I have to say, I I feel more rested even though I only sleep three or four hours a night. But I have a rekindled love for reading and studying God's Word. So instead of my short devotion times, I'm getting back to almost my normal study time, which is two to three hours, when, which is, uh, it really goes by so fast. It, it, it just doesn't seem like it's, it's that much time. But I want to close with this. Let me read this first. Like the branches in Jesus' story, we're all unique. And our pruning won't look the same. Yours is not going to look the same as mine. He will prune us differently. But this is a process we entrust to him, knowing that he is good at work in our lives. My desire, and I hope yours too, is to abide in Christ and his words abide in me. Which means to be totally dependent upon him he says without me you can do nothing someone once said that too often church leaders find the mindset of fake it till you can make it I don't I, I think I heard this probably 30 some years ago I don't think I'll ever forget it because the Lord brings it up in my mind every so often. Fake it till you can make it. Problem with that, when we start faking that we are spiritual, it will become very easy to keep faking it instead of repenting and asking God for help or others. I don't want to be one of them. How about you? Let's be real. Jesus says, I am the true vine. He's the real deal. If we really want to abide in him, he's going to bear fruit. And the vine dresser, the heavenly father, is going to prune us in ways we're not expecting. But whatever these little twigs and sucklings that grow out of that good branch, they need to be cut away. 
And that's why lately you've heard me talk a lot about self-examination. You know, when you're stuck in a hospital bed and you can't move, you can't breathe, and you're asking God, what can I learn from this? It hurts when he reveals to you what you need to know. Self-examination is a part of our Christian life, and we need to do it often. Things that are taking us away from spending time in the Word. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I hear people say, they, they pray, oh Lord, we love you. Help us make it through the day. You know, that's between you and God. He knows our hearts. He searches our hearts. He knows our motives. But I don't want to be one that fakes it. I don't want to be one that wants you to think I'm more spiritual than what I am. I want to be the real deal. What you see is what you get. And I'm going to close with this. After all, we are here to glorify him, not us.